Welcome to New World of Work, a podcast exploring the new frontier of the modern workforce. I'm Rhys Black, Head of Workplace Design at Oyster, a global employment platform making it easier than ever to build a brilliant team on an international scale. On New World of Work, we'll hear from some of the world's best and brightest people and culture experts on cutting edge topics that people operations professionals need to hear today, all through a global lens. Join us as we navigate this new world of work together and learn more about each other along the way. In today's fast-paced world, many of us are constantly looking for new ways to keep up with demand, speed things up, cut out the middleman, and be more efficient overall. With the help of new technologies, automation, and smart devices, this is easier than ever before. Now, in just one workday, we can accomplish what might have taken previous generations a full year to achieve. But as most PeopleOps leaders will know, there's always room for improvement. And operating procedures, process, and documentation are important areas to focus on if you hope to help your team become more efficient, productive, and satisfied in their roles. Developing more streamlined processes for everyday tasks like onboarding, training, and performance evaluations can help teams save hours and budget over time. And now that many of us have made the shift to distributed and asynchronous working environments, it's even more important to stay organized and avoid wasted effort. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Chris Runzio, the founder and CEO of Trainual, an app that helps small business leaders systematize and scale in a way that fits their needs. As someone who's passionate about helping businesses develop systems that work for them, not the other way around, Chris has plenty of great tips to share that can be applied to any role. During our chat, Chris and I covered everything from avoiding burnout to building a more autonomous culture at work. I hope you'll take away some valuable tips that will ultimately make life easier for you and your team. Enjoy the episode. I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and my career began probably when I was 14 years old. Uh, I did two important things that year. One, I got my first job at a grocery store, and two, I started my first business, which was a video production company. So I'll come back to the first job, but the reason that the video production company was so important is over uh, high school and through university, I built that business to where we were filming events across the United States in all 50 states uh, for youth sporting events. And the entire business was so based on logistics and process and And it wasn't necessarily creative video. It was how do we show up and uh, produce hundreds of events a year and make it look and feel the same no matter which location we were filming in. And so everything that we did was all about finding crews, step-by-step sequences of planning for the pre-production, the production, the post-production, and serving customers by selling videos online. The way that we worked was we built this database of over 300 camera operators in all different metropolitan areas throughout the U.S. And then our focus would be to get contracts for events that occurred in the different cities and states around the U.S. And we would send that out to our list of camera operators to assemble a crew that was within driving distance of the event. And so the mix of people that would come to an event may have never worked before. They may never work together again, but they had to be able to come together and perform this event to our standards. And so everything about training and the operations and the systems that they would use and the software tools and 
the way they named files and set up their cameras all had to be systematized. And so that's why we, we so heavily fine tuned what we did. And so I, I developed this, this love for process and standard operating procedures. And that's really what I was focused on was the operations of the business. So fast forward after 13 years, sold that company and started consulting for other businesses that just needed systems and processes help. And what I saw when working with so many companies is that every business wants their company to work well. They want it to be turnkey and to be easy. And uh, I, I became passionate about just helping them get there and and that's where the idea for Trainual came from. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more why did you decide to launch Trainual and where did it go from there? When I started consulting, the tools I was using were Dropbox and Google Docs and Google Sites and uh, and hosting videos in different places. And again, it just felt like the knowledge of everyone's business is scattered. And if it's not stuck in its people's heads, it's scattered across documents and and paper and, uh, you know, all different systems that your company uses. And so the idea for Trainual was to have one simple training manual for the business that if you wanted to scale your company, if you wanted to replicate or franchise your business, if you wanted to sell your business, there would be one centralized place where here is how our company works. Here's our training manual. And so that was the core idea. So you, you started to, to talk about Trainual in a bit more detail. It, it'd be great to hear if you could put it more succinctly. What is the vision? What is the mission behind Trainual? Sure. The vision is that eventually every company would have a playbook, what we call a playbook. In the same way that every company has email or every company has a financial system, every company should have all of the knowledge in their business packaged in an easy place for their people to find and understand. And the reason that they don't right now is because it's so difficult. It's hard to create. It's hard to keep updated. And our idea is if the playbook almost wrote itself, if it was just constantly collecting the information in your business, then every business would have a playbook. So that's the future vision that we're aspiring to get to. And then in terms of the mission, we think about this in two different ways. So the mission that we show up every day to work on is helping our customers design their perfect business. You know, everyone starts a business or leads in a business or works in a business to fine tune how they do what they do. They want to have clear cut roles and responsibilities. They want to have best practices. They want to show up to work and enjoy it because it's not something that's just difficult that they're slogging through. And so helping our customers design that perfect business drives us every day. And then on a more practical sense, uh, we think about a mission in the same way that maybe a space agency would think about a concrete mission. And for us, that next milestone is getting to 25,000 small businesses. So we're working our way towards that. What have been your experiences in terms of seeing the gaps and the challenges specifically for people operations? So the first gap is not doing anything. I think, you know, even some people that are listening maybe don't have as much as they wish they had documented or as many processes as they wish they had for this. And so if you feel like you're flying by the seat of your pants and just kind of reinventing the wheel every time, that's the first problem is that you don't have a consistent way to do this. And then the next thing that I would see is people would create a consistent administrative way to handle onboarding or, you know, set a different way. It's everything that your people ops person needs to do. You know, maybe you need to file certain paperwork. Maybe if they use a system like yours, that's easier, but they have to do some administrative tasks to get someone up and running, but they don't put much attention into the employee experience of onboarding. You know, how does, from the employee standpoint, how do they learn about 
about your business? How do they meet their team? How do they get up to 100% productivity in the business because they're actually doing their job and hitting the ground running? And so I think people ops, uh, you know, leaders might not put as much attention into the employee experience as they do to their own experience. And that's natural. It's kind of the stages of, of, of working on this. I think that another gap that I see is trying to do everything yourself. And so as a people ops leader in the business, maybe your expertise is you know, the, the general company basics of getting someone, you know, their, their IT set up and getting them placed into their department. But it's not on your shoulders to teach them everything that they need to know about their job in the business. And so partnering with the hiring manager and making that a really seamless transition from here's what you know need to know about the company to here's what you need to know about your department, your team, your location, your role, that requires a really integrated approach with the hiring manager, with other peers on the team. And so you can't put the entire burden on your shoulder. And I think uh, a lot of smaller companies tend to do that. So you mentioned reinventing the wheel and, and feeling responsible for, for everyone and for their success. I think probably uh, people leaders listening to this uh, podcast will, will identify with that statement. And I actually wanted to take it in a slightly different direction that I thought might be interesting in that what are your thoughts around, I guess, lack of standardized processes, SOPs, clarity on systems and processes, uh, and how that relates to burnout, like general well-being of people, whether that is the well-being of people leaders, because there's there's certainly a, a problem with burnout for, for people leaders themselves, but then the, the company more at large. I think they're enormously correlated. So burnout would just be a result of feeling like every day you have to show up and repeat work that you've done in the past. And if a leader has to show up and with every new cohort of hires or every new role that they create, they're starting from a blank page of how they're going to get this person integrated into the business, that's a lot of work. And so I think everyone should be aspiring to uh, build on past work so that their future work gets easier and easier and easier. And so building process or building standard operating procedures is just one way of you kind of laying down those bricks and saying, here is how we do this. Here is how we do this. Here's how we do this. That way, future you gets an easier job. When you go back and have to do those things again, you have a set of instructions. It's the same with every business and every role. The more you package, the more you create standard operating procedures for, the easier it gets for future you. Yeah. And actually, the other thing I found interesting, you said there about showing up and having to repeat, there's the breathlessness, there's the exhaustion that comes from just physically having to do the work over and over again, just workload. But then I think there's another dynamic to that as well, where you start to feel like you're you're not progressing. You're not progressing in your career, you're treading water, you're not bettering yourself. And that takes an emotional toll. Yeah, I mean, think of it from any anyone listening to this. If you're starting in a smaller business and you're a people ops team of one, then that means you handle everything. You handle recruiting, you handle onboarding, you handle benefits administration, employee experience and retention and engagement and events and culture and all those kind of things are probably on your plate. But 
each one of those areas of the business that you can start to package together and you can start to define a best practice for, that lets you delegate those things to the next person that you bring onto your team. And each time you're able to effectively delegate how to do something, it comes off of your plate and elevates you to be able to tackle higher level work. And that's how people make progress in their career. And so if you're constantly having to redo things rather than package them and and repurpose them for, for some other person in the future, then you can't make movement in your career. There's no upward progression. And so I think you're absolutely right that it's not just burnout day to day, but it's also career stall, you know, it's, and it's a, it's an uncomfortable place to be. Let's then talk about the changes that we've had over the past few years. Tell us how has the acceleration, the revolution when it comes to distributed work, how has this magnified these gaps, these challenges and and what you do? Well, it's a massive magnification. I I guess the, the anecdote I, I would share or what I would compare it to is uh, my wife, when when we were in college, we were remote. We kept in touch with a long distance relationship. <laughs> and so, you know, when you think about trying to make a long distance relationship work, it doesn't work without really proactive communication. You know, and back in those days, I was writing letters and we were having the phone calls where you, you've got the cord wrapped around your legs. But it's got to be proactive. And so it's the same when you're trying to run a remote business. You have to proactively communicate. You've got to work harder than you do when you're sitting next to someone in an office. And so it has just, I think, made the gaps even wider of why people need this in their business, why you need to invest in standardized practices and why you need to over communicate and, and show people here is how this is done. Because when you're not sitting side by side with someone, you can't just oversee how they're doing it. You know, side by side, standard operating procedures, best practices can kind of be like contagious. You know, you see the way that your coworkers doing it and you pick things up sort of by osmosis. And when you're in a remote or a distributed environment, uh, you don't have that advantage. And so you need to be really proactive with saying, here is how I've done it. Here is my best practice, or here is how the company expects it to be done. Um, Because otherwise people will, you know, potentially go back to that reinventing the wheel. You know, if this is a problem that's been solved before in the company, but I don't know that, then I'm wasting time and spinning cycles trying to figure it out for the first time. And that's not good for, for anyone in the company. So when we're, when we're talking about standard operating principles, you know, uh, documenting in great detail the way things should be done, how do you think about essentially the human element that comes into that? The, the thought process of people saying, oh God, there's another process I need to learn. I just want to do it the way I know how to do it and go, get on with my day. How, how do you factor in that, that human side of things? So process can feel mechanical. If all of your business is run by process and you don't feel like you have the autonomy to improve that process, then you feel like you're just being given instructions with no latitude to think. And that's not what we want at all in a business. And so what I view is uh, a standard operating procedure is kind of like the minimum best practice. It is the, the least acceptable best way to do something in the business. And by establishing those kind of watermarks in your business, you're showing everybody that, you know, at least learn this way as the, the basic. This is the basic way to do it that's been tried and tested and proven. But we want everybody to be pushing and innovating and experimenting and improving on these processes. And I think that's the constant challenge 
is for everyone in the business to always be innovating and improving while not letting the standards slip. As Chris explained, it's important for teams to strike a right balance between sticking to proven processes and fostering innovation. After all, we all know there's always room for improvement, so there still needs to be a healthy amount of experimentation and iteration within any playbook. I also really liked what Chris had to say about the need for over-communication, especially in distributed work environments. This has been one of the mainstay themes we've discussed here on the podcast, and for good reason. Communication is one of the key pillars behind any company's success. Without a healthy amount of communication and collaboration among team members, you risk doubling up on efforts, making unnecessary mistakes, or even completely burning out. For PeopleOps leaders, it's important to keep communication lines open among teams and essentially act like the glue within the organization to ensure nothing slips through the cracks. Next, I asked Chris to elaborate on an interesting policy Trainio recently implemented to help them build a team that's truly passionate and committed. Let me tell the story. So the $5,000 to quit idea came originally to us in uh, the spring of 2020. We had a engineer, a developer that we brought onto the team. And four days into his onboarding, as he started to meet the team, understand the squad that he'd be working with, he realized through those meetings that he was really after more of a management role. And so he came to us and he apologized and he said, I know I accepted this senior position. I really think I should be going after a management role. I want to bow out now. I'm sorry if it's disruptive. Uh, Here's my laptop. Here's my employee credentials. And so we sat there and thought, huh, that's awesome that he had the confidence to do that and that he didn't just stick with us for weeks or months longer while he was interviewing for his next job and make the transition for us even more difficult. So how can we operationalize that experience? So again, back to standard operating procedures, we thought, well, let's give every employee an opportunity at some point in their onboarding process to ease out and to take a a soft exit and say, you know, this isn't for me now that I've been in here. Everyone, when they're interviewing for the company, wants to love the company. It's it's like dating before marriage. You know, it's it's fun. It's exciting. We're doing parties and events and everything's flashy and there's new swag and, you know, it's exciting. But what about when you actually get to, to do the work and you meet your teammates and you get assigned your first project? Are you still excited? And so, we instituted this, this $5,000 offer where two weeks into their onboarding, we proposed to everyone uh, this asynchronous offer. It gets sent out to them and they choose yes or no. I'll take it and here's why, or I won't take it and here's why I'm excited to stay. And so either way, we get that feedback loop about our process that, that can help us. Uh, and I think it's a great way for the employee to kind of double opt in to your company. They opted in once when they accepted the offer and now you get them to double opt-in that they still want to be there when they're on the inside. So the change we made recently was we extended it to 30 days. So we want to make sure that people have the time to really start to get into the meat of what they're working on uh, before they actually make this choice. But the offer still stands today. And I guess the next logical question is, well, how many people have, have actually been taking that bet or taking that five thousand dollars and and then more generally just what are people's feedback on this what what do employees say 
So I'm proud to say that uh, we've hired 65 or so people since starting the offer. No one's taken it so far. We're thinking about increasing the amount to make it a little bit more tempting. Raising the stakes. Yeah, but but I think that the the reason that no one's taken it is when we put this in place, it was a metric almost to hold our people ops team accountable as well to finding the best candidates and knowing that, you know, if this person is kind of on the fence and we're extending an offer to them, then the company is going to pay for them to leave. So it's, it's been a healthy pressure for us to find the best candidates even early in the process. So it's been a, a, a net benefit all around. A lot of what we've spoken about so far when we're, when we're talking about SOPs, we're talking about being deliberate with the creation and the design of operating principles is ultimately to allow people to self-serve, to be able to help themselves in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. Why do you think it's so important for, for a people ops person that's listening to uh, this right now to, to be able to provide that, to, to be able to set their teams up to self-serve, to, to, to take the initiative and, and help themselves. So self-service to me is all about autonomy. And I think it's important for people ops leaders to create that culture of autonomy early on in the process of someone coming into your business, because if someone is autonomous, if they can get the information that they need, then they'll be able to operate uh, in a way that requires less micromanagement in the future. And so I guess the opposite of that autonomy would be, you know, the strong oversight micromanagement. If everything is being, uh, handed to somebody and they can't get it themselves, they can't find it when they need it, then that creates a culture where they need to go to someone for approvals. They need to go to someone for every decision. They need to go to someone for every bit of information. And so I think it's healthy to have some level of autonomy in the business just to fend off micromanagement. And then I also think it creates a lot more efficiency in a business. You know, if if you've got these bottlenecks of people having to ask for permission or ask for information with every question that comes up, it creates, especially in a remote environment, uh, a lot more turns of having to wait for someone else, uh, wait for them to come back online. Whereas if you've got information available at your fingertips, they can get it when they need it. It's a a self-serve kind of culture. It helps move things more quickly. And I think that's especially important for remote companies. Completely agree. Autonomy is, is key. So I want to get a little bit more practical, a little bit more tactical for, for the person that's listening to this podcast right now. They're probably thinking, yep, totally agree. Autonomy is key. But how do I get there? What, what, what like practical steps do I make? So other than, than writing documentation and, and whether that's in training or otherwise, what are some you know, practical things that they can take away to, to, to help increase this and then to ultimately create that environment, that culture of, of self-serving? So I think there's kind of four levels of this. So the, the, the very top level would be your company's core values. If you can develop really strong core values, those are filters that people can use to make a lot of decisions in the absence of more specific documentation. And so core values directionally, I think, help companies to operate consistently and to make the right decisions. Beneath core values, we implemented something we call our principles. So at Trainual, we have 17 different principles. And these are stories and little anecdotes and experiences throughout the history of the business 
that we use to tell how we made certain decisions. And so I'll, I'll give you, you know, one example was we call it front page news. So uh, if we're making a decision in the business that we would be uncomfortable if it was front uh, on the front page of a newspaper, then it's probably the wrong decision. And, you know, we, we have a specific situation around that. And so we tell the story to our employees and they can, again, use that little principle as a filter for making decisions. And so core values and principles, the stories, the history, the lore of your business, I think that can help you make a lot of the right moves as a, a collectively as a group. Then it gets into your documentation. So this would be your standard operating procedures for processes, how you actually do things, or it may be defining policies, you know, the rules of the workplace, your cultural norms, what's okay, what's not okay. And that's where it's more the nitty gritty documentation and having that available to people just creates more and more of a self-serve environment if they can find that information. And then the final piece would just be, you know, uh, general like Q&A, not answers that you have to answer to one person. You may as well answer them in a public forum where they're searchable. And so whether or not you're using a system like ours, you can put answers like that into a system like Slack. You can put answers into a 500 page running Google doc, if that's what works for you. But answering something in a place where it's searchable is much healthier than answering something one-to-one to one one person. Because if, if you're doing that, then you're having to constantly repeat yourself with those questions. And so, so that's what I would say, invest first in your core values and your principles, then get into documentation of your processes and your policies. And then beyond that, just be careful how you're answering any kind of Q and A that happens regularly. Where do you kind of see see the line when it comes to ownership, when it comes to responsibilities for documenting and, and, and implementing these kinds of things through a company? I think you can't have operations without people. And so people operations is really the heartbeat of the business. How things work, who does what, how the business is organized, uh, is you know, everything that is internal to me is people operations. And then the external, you know, how, how we provide the service to our customers is where I would probably draw the line. That's your external operations. And so if I had to draw a line somewhere, it would be that servicing customers and our workflows for, for customers or, or shipping our product or producing manufacturing, whatever we do, that's strictly operations. But then how our business works together, how our departments interface, how we do headcount planning together, uh, how we make sure that everyone is engaged and that the, the culture is strong, how we make decisions, how our leaders collaborate, all of that to me is people operations. And so increasingly in, in today's world, people operations is taking a bigger and bigger seat at the table. And you know, in our business specifically, our head of people is kind of the head of our operations team uh, and has a, has a very large role here. And so I think you'll see that more and more, uh, but the, the focus on people is key. If, if your people are happy, your customers will be happy. And so I think start with a, a really healthy people operations team and the rest trickles out from there. So in a lot of situations, documentation can be uh, a scary thing, an intimidating thing. It needs to be some you know, enormous, incredibly detailed manual that deals with every dependency and every eventuality and you know, so on and so forth. And, and one of the ways that we approach, approach it at Oyster is, is really as a minimum viable document and, and to build on it over time. So 
a document could be as simple as uh, a Loom video that's recorded and it's just put in a document and it's just someone recording themselves clicking a few buttons. There's no written text, there's no nothing. And typically what we, we, we like to do is if that particular asset is getting traffic, if it's, if it's getting used a lot, if, it, if, if it's kind of becoming quite important to the company, then that's a sign for that to be developed further. Maybe you transcribe it, maybe you, you, you actually have some written information, maybe you delve into it in a, a little bit more detail. Uh, so thinking of it like a product, you know, or at least a feature. So in terms of rolling out documentation, in a way that is, is streamlined, it's effective, uh, and hopefully is frictionless as well. Do you have any any advice, anything more? Yeah, so you touched on one important thing, which is the format of your documentation. And I think it can be daunting if you think you have to create a 500-page manual and be an English major and everything has to be perfect. And so start simple. Uh, any format will do. And whether you uh, are better at audio or video or text or slides or graphics or photos, uh, whatever you do, just get it in there because done is better than well done, right? And so I think getting documentation in any format is the first step, is just starting to, to compile it in one place. The area that I would focus on documentation would be, you know, first, is there something that is done by the most number of people in your business, something that's a shared responsibility or task that a lot of people touch. That's a big area for inconsistency. And I would focus in on that. Uh, is there something that is just done uh, numerous times? You know, maybe your customer success team is doing the same kind of onboarding flow a thousand times a month. That's something I would really focus on documentation because again, there's a, a lot of room for failure. Uh, and then are there roles, new roles that you're planning for in the business that you're, you're creating new positions? I would spend a lot of time on those really refining how, how to do the responsibilities that are being delegated from one person to the next. In terms of actually rolling them out, of course, a, a, a system like ours uh, is designed to roll it out. But I think the thing that most people miss is that they they don't completely answer all the questions around what they've documented. And so when you think documentation, you think about the how, the steps. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. There's a lot of context around documentation that people might not answer. And so the, the questions to ask yourself are, who owns this thing in the business? You know, who is accountable for this? Who do I go to for questions if there's a, an issue around this? Uh, when was this last updated? You know, is this something that's that's up to date? Make sure that, that you track that. So a lot of that context around a process, I think, gets left out, and that can cause a bumpy rollout. And so as long as you just get something out in any format and you answer all those contextual questions, I think then you send it to whoever is uh, is is the recipient and and collect their feedback. But this is an iterative thing; it'll always get better. So. Let's talk a little bit about the future. Wanna wanna hear where things are going for yourself. So what's next for you and for Trainual? So we we are continuing to focus on helping with this employee experience of getting to know a business. Trainual's focus since the beginning has been to help 
streamline that process of a new person joining a business, getting up to speed on everything they need to know about the company, their coworkers, the policies, the processes in that business so they can do their job effectively. And so this is just something we continue to, to work on. We're starting to roll out, uh, we'll be rolling out our first physical product, which uh, you can learn more about that soon when it, when it comes out but helping people uh, in any setting that they're at get the information that they need. We're working on, you know, voice assistance and a lot of this, this on-demand kind of you know, content we've been talking about so that uh, people can get the knowledge that they need at their fingertips. And so the, the product's getting smarter and each month we're getting closer and closer to that playbook that writes itself. To wrap up, final question, and this is a question that we ask everyone that comes on New World of Work. What is the best mistake you've ever made and why? The best mistake I've ever made, I would say, was hiring a copywriter to create a web page, a landing page for Trainual right before we launched it. I was trying to communicate the messaging of, of why someone would want to sign up for this. And the reason I say it's a mistake is because the copywriter did a horrible job and I sent it to my, my younger brother who was, you know, in the marketing world. And I said, Hey, is this good? Do you think this is good? And he said, no, I can rewrite, let me rewrite all this. And so he ended up rewriting the whole webpage and, and joined to, to really found the business. And so he's been our CMO since the beginning. And so I, I think, uh, you know, sometimes, you need to, what do they say, kiss a few frogs <laughs> or something. And, and the contractors are a great way to, uh, you know, to test that out. And so that was the best mistake I've ever made. <laughs> Fantastic. Just to be clear, not all contractors are frogs. There's plenty of princes and princesses and, absolutely, and, and contractors absolutely. as well. But it's a, it's a great way to, to test out working with someone, you know, and, and, and then of course, use a platform like yours to, to bring them on. Fantastic. What a way for, uh, for your brother to come into the business. I like that. Okay. Thank you very much. I think that is us. Thanks, Reese. I'm so glad I had the chance to sit down with Chris to talk process, people, and procedures. He had some great tips to share that I will definitely be putting into practice within my own day-to-day -day role, and I hope you will too. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Reinventing the wheel is rarely necessary. No matter what you're trying to accomplish in your own role, there's a pretty good chance that someone you work with has done something similar in the past. To avoid wasted effort, time, and emotional toll, developing an easily accessible playbook for common tasks and procedures within your organization is essential. Create a culture of autonomy. As PeopleOps leaders, it's important to encourage a culture of autonomy and self-service within the organization to empower teams to find the answers themselves. Not only will this save time and effort, but it will also help employees develop more confidence and instill greater belief in their own abilities. Happy people, happy customers. When your employees are feeling fulfilled, energized, and well-equipped to do their jobs effectively, the entire company is in a much better position to succeed and advance to the next level together. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of New World of Work. We'll be taking a short break now, but we'll be back soon with more new episodes for you.
If you're interested in what today's job seekers are looking for in an employer, be sure to check out the 2022 Employee Expectations Report by visiting the link in the show notes or visiting bit.ly forward slash oyster report. I repeat, that's bit.ly forward slash oyster report. Thank you for listening to New World of Work, the podcast exploring the new frontier of the modern workforce through an international lens. We hope this episode served to expand your horizons and open your mind to a new perspective. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so that we can reach more listeners. I'm your host, Reese Black. See you next time.